All right, you guys can be seated. Uh, definitely not praising me, but praising Jesus. Um, when uh, Pastor Averill and Pastor Jeremiah, I love saying that, love them too, uh, but when they came to me about this opportunity, um, it's something I jumped on very, very quickly. I knew that God would definitely provide a word. Uh, kind of was listening to them, uh, very, very busy at school. So usually I always kind of, if I have to teach, I usually go in my office to try to get a word from them. So I was just sitting there praising them, thanking them, thought I had something, um, probably, probably got halfway through, and he was like, we're going to do something else. And I was like, God, I'm halfway through my message, like <laughs> three days before service. He was like, no, nah, um, I've got something that I want you to share with the congregation. And usually when he says something like that, it's probably fits and get on to me. Uh, which y'all usually have to be the beneficiary of him getting on to me. Uh, but I think it's going to be a word that's going to take our church to the next level um, that he wants us to go through. Um, and it's going to be really, really good. So um, if you want to hide your feet, he might step on them today. Um, he stepped on mine, and I was like, ouch. Um, but all correction comes from God, right? Um, even when I was a child, uh, I never believed that when my parents used to tell me, you know, hey, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you type of thing. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm fixing to be the one that's going to get the whooping. Like, how's this hurting you? Um, and it's like, I've got to correct you. Um, and I didn't like that correction at the moment. But as you grow older and older and older, you start saying those same things to your children. And I'm like, oh, wow, this all makes sense now. Um, so, again, uh, if you guys can repeat this, this is not Ronnie's message. So can you say that? This is not Ronnie's message. I promise this is not my message um, because it comes straight from God. But let's enter in prayer uh, first and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you. Uh, thank you for an opportunity uh, to speak to your people, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the word that you gave me, Heavenly Father. It's not from my words. Um, it's not from anyone else's words, but it comes strictly, directly from you, Heavenly Father. Uh, bless me to say exactly what you want me to say, Heavenly Father, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, blessed to be your words that come out of my mouth. When they see me, Heavenly Father, I want them to see you, Heavenly Father. I want to be completely emptied of myself, and I want to be filled with you, Heavenly Father, so we can be able to get the revelation knowledge, give us ears to hear and eyes to see exactly what you want us to be able to hear and see, and we can be able to be changed from glory to glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, so how many of you have probably had a really, really busy week this week? Uh, maybe you work 40 hours a week. Uh, maybe you work 80 hours being a parent. Um, it seems that much, almost double it. Uh, but we get really, really busy throughout our week, every single time. Um, and before you know it, we get 24 hours that God has gave us in a single day. And if we're not careful, those 24 hours will get completely away from us. Um, and this is a message I taught in the youth class I guess it's been about four months ago, but it's kind of mixed in, and God gave me some new kind of revelations with some things. But if we're not careful, those 24 hours will get completely away from us. So, for example, um, I work at Jemison High School now, which is in Clanton. Um, and when God was kind of really revealing that's where he wanted me to go, uh, of course, we always question him kind of at first, but not really out loud, because who's going to dare question God out loud? So I'm thinking, like, I live in Gardendale. I know you haven't really called me to go all the way and move into Clanton because I know I'm supposed to be here. So what are you doing? Because that's a lot further than my 
drive at Cornerstone, which is about 20 minutes away from my um, house. And he was like, just trust me, just trust me. It's like, okay, I'm trusting you. Don't understand, but you never called me to understand yet. Tell me to trust you. Um, so my day usually starts at, I try, I use that word, try to get up by 5.30 a.m. Um, usually I have to set about 12 alarms to kind of do that. I don't know if that's you, but 5.35, 5.34, it's pretty bad. I don't know how in the world my wife doesn't hear it. Um, but, and then I just kind of sit up, and I'm kind of in a daze for a couple minutes, and I'm like, okay, um, here we go. So usually, you're, usually I love to talk to Jesus anytime, but in the shower, that's kind of my time uh, where I talk to him. Um, I don't wake her up because the water's going blah, 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 blah. Um, so usually I'm on the road hopefully by 610 because if I don't time it just right, going through traffic, I'm going through four different counties um, to get to work. So if I don't time it right, that traffic, you can go from a 50-minute drive to an hour and 20-minute drive if you're not careful. So usually I try to get, we actually start work at 7.30, which is different than I'm used to because normally school starts at like 8 o'clock. So driving through, getting to school, schedule is really, really great. Um, I got blessed with an amazing, best schedule I've ever had. I teach one PE class one day and then two PE classes the other days. So it's a really great schedule. So usually I work, work about an hour and 20 minutes a day um, at best. But after that, um, I'm a basketball coach, so I coach. Um, usually by the time that I get home on a good day, it's about 4.30. Uh, once basketball season gets here, it's probably going to be more like 12 o'clock in the morning and then have to do it over again. So it's a very, very busy time. But if you're not careful, that time of busyness can kind of separate you from the Lord if you're not careful. So if today's message, if you want to title it, is where is your focus? Is your focus on your life or building God's kingdom? Is your focus on your life or building God's kingdom? And when he first told me that, I'm like, God, they're going to tell me off because that's a pretty harsh title. Like, is my focus on my life? No one wants to admit that we have a tendency to be selfish people. And we're not being that on purpose because we have busy lives. We have a family you got to cook, you got to clean, make sure everyone's clothes is washed, uh, make sure gas is in the tank, all of those things. But God did not call us or leave us here on this earth for all of those things. Those are things that we have to go through daily to be able to kind of get through our day. But when uh, Pastor Jeremiah, start calling him Pastor Jeremiah because that's where he is, uh, when he um, preached, I think it was a couple Sundays ago because uh, I wasn't here because we was quarantined last week. But when he um, spoke two Sundays ago, he was talking about the one thing that's needful. And we have to really, really put our focus on the one thing that's needful, even over our lives. Um, so again, that seems like kind of a harsh message, but the Lord is definitely going to do some things to us. Um, Pastor Rick Warren, um, if y'all kind of recognize that name, um, he made a statement there, there are only three main things that you can do with your life. Three main things. Number one, you can waste your life. How many of us know there's a lot of people just kind of wasting their life? They're just going through the motion, um, spending their 24 hours doing worldly things. They're kind of just wasting their life away until one day their life is over with. 
what have their life amounted to. Number two, you can spend your life, okay? Spend your life. Some people spend their life watching Netflix all day. Some people spend their life working, 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 trying to work for overtime, work to set up a great life for my family later, spending your life. Or number three, you can invest your life, okay? Invest your life into something that's going to outlast your life. So we kind of think of an investment is something that we leave a legacy. Some people think that is setting up money for their children one day. So if something happens to them, their children has money, their wife has money, husband, which is great things. It's awesome. But the best investment that we can ever give our family is leaving them the word that we have spoken together because that's, that's going to take them through anything that they ever can go through. Uh, money can come and go in the world sense. Um, happiness can come and go in the world sense. But when you have the peace, the wisdom, the prosperity that only comes from him, that's going to always stand the test of time. Um, so I would, uh, let me go here. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and this is going to be the Amplified. So a lot of Christians kind of go through life spiritually asleep. Um, probably, ooh, this has probably been, I guess, uh, 12, 13, 14 years ago uh, when we had our A-team. Uh, which is our drama team that I used to be in, Averill, Sarah, all of them, all of our teens that were at the church. We had an A-team, and we um, performed a song called Asleep in the Light. And I can kind of really remember it was chairs right there. I think it was me and Averill. And it was really the song was kind of trying to get everyone awake, where sometimes even if we do go to church or we do the Christian thing, we're just kind of sleeping through the motions of, okay, going to church, check, read my Bible today, check, prayed today, check, gave my tithe today, check, just kind of like our Joel was saying. But it's all of those things. If we're not doing it out of obedience or out of God, you're so good, just like the song that we just sung, we're just going through the motions of things. And it becomes not a God, I love you thing. It becomes a I'm a Christian, so this is what we do. We never want to get to that moment in time. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 right here. Um, this is talking about seeking the kingdom of God first. So, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom. So before anything else, we have to seek the kingdom of God. That's before we do anything else. And tithing is amazing. That's something we need to do. Um, not only do, but do in the right attitude, just like he talked about. But if that's the only thing that we do, yeah, that's going to have an attachment to it, a blessing attachment. But we're never going to be able to live our very, very best life if we don't seek him first. If we only tithe first, that's great. That's awesome. But we have to seek him first. And when you seek something, okay, you pursue it. You crave it. You want it. You you're going to go after it. Um, for example, when I was dating my wife or trying to date her, okay, I would make an effort. I would text her. I would call her. I would, back then, Facebook her. All those different type of things to make sure that she's going to answer me. And if she didn't answer me in the appropriate time, I'm going to text her again, okay, uh, because I want to spend time with her. But 
But first and most importantly, even before any of those things, even before we even try to think our own thought or saying, oh, Jesus, I don't want to go through this day. Stop that. Seek me first. Seek what I have for you. Aim it, strive at his kingdom and his righteousness. Notice they didn't say my righteousness. So I don't need to ask myself, hey, Ronnie, what's your agenda for today? My agenda doesn't matter. Hey, God, what do you want me to do today? Um, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. So when you take care of God first, he's going to make sure that you're going to be just fine, but you have to put him first, just like uh, Pastor Jeremiah with his uh, praise report of their house, right? When he said, hey, if you put my house first, I'm going to make sure that I take care of your house. Same thing with your life. If you put your life first to him, he's going to make sure that your life and your family's life and your family's family's life is going to be taken care of. But you have to do the one thing that's needful and seek him first. So look how it says first and most importantly, first and most importantly, seek. Seeking God is the most important thing that you can ever do for your family and for yourself. That is the most important thing even above leaving them money, even above just spending time with them. All of those things are great and wonderful. But the most important thing you can do for them, for their future, for your future as a family, is seek him first. Let him direct your path. Um, something that I boded right here um, that kind of stood out to me, nothing can be sustained without the direction of God's wisdom. So nothing can be sustained without the direction of God's wisdom. So what I mean by that, if I try to rely on my own wisdom and say, okay, I want to go build a house. Okay, nothing's wrong with that. God wants me to have a house, but maybe he doesn't want me to have that house in that certain location that Ronnie wants to have that house at. And yeah, I could still, everything could still be great. Not saying that he's going to go knock the house down because God doesn't do that. Where is he going to get that to do? But it's not living in the best life that we can possibly have. So again, nothing can be sustained without the direction of God's wisdom. It may last for a season or even a few years, but it won't be God's best unless you seek him for it. Just like when you go seek a mate, someone is dating or whatever. If you might, it might be a good woman or a good man or whatever the case might be, and it might work out for a season or whatever the case might be. I know all about that. I've been there before. But if it's not God's best, it won't work out. It might last for a little while, but it's God's best. He wants the best, but a lot of times us as Christians, we settle for things that's less than God's best. We're like, oh, it's a, it's a good person. I mean, they treat me nice. Yeah, that's great, but is that the God what God wants for you? Is that the job that God wants for you? Yeah, it might be even less money, but God has you placed in a strategic place for a time as this, and he's setting us up for blessings as a church and as a body of God. So going back to the statement that I said earlier, there is one thing that is truly needful above anything else, one thing. So I know Jeremiah mentioned this and Averill as well um, when they talked last but let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. So Luke 10, excuse me, 38 through 42. And this is going to be in the King James Version. And this is kind of, this is talking about Mary and Martha, right? 
um, and they talked about this and about our attitude. Sometimes, again, we get so caught up in our life or doing things that we think needs to be done, but not putting that or trying to put that over the one thing that's needful. So now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. When we sit at Jesus' feet, that's the one thing that's needful, because as a son, when I used to be, I used to didn't sit at my dad's feet, but I always used to lay on his belly because um, he kind of had a little belly on him. Um, he's lost some of it. But when I really wanted to talk with him when I was a child, I used to lay on his belly and just listen to him talk. And if you know my dad, he, he can talk. So it was a long conversation. I can say this because he's not here today. But it was a long conversation, and he used to tell me just stories upon stories. And those stories, especially when I was interested in it, it resonated. I can just hear stories literally in his voice right now. And I sometimes tell um, my kids that with stories and they're like, that's Paul Paul Driver, isn't it? I'm like, that's Paul Paul Driver. Uh, but she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. When you get a word from God, that can change your entire life, your total trajectory. But if you get so busy that you can't be you're caught up in all these other type of things. It's hard to hear his voice because the business of streets, the business of life can get away from us. Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about how, or excuse me, about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Okay, so she was kind of caught up in our feelings like, look, I'm working really, really hard right here. And old sister over here is trying to just sit at your feet and be lazy and not do anything, right? But Jesus is going to respond right here. So she says, bid her, therefore, or basically tell her to come help me. Hey, Jesus, do something about this. You're all powerful. Tell her to come help me. But Jesus answered. So if Jesus answers, what do we need to do? Right? So sometimes when me as a parent, I'm talking, and I don't think that my kids I always tell them, look, your eyes need to be on me. Your ears need to be pointed to me. If those two things aren't happening, I'm saying, boy, are you listening to me? And that's exactly what my dad used to say. So sometimes it's like, oh, I sound just like him. But and Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha. So I can kind of, when I read that, it was kind of the very first time that I kind of heard it this way. It's almost kind of like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you're so busy. Just stop. Just stop what you're doing. Just stop for a second. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Okay, so you're, you're all caught up in all these things that you think that I want, but the one thing that I want you to do is to listen and get a word from me. But one thing is needful. Okay, so if he said it back then, does that change anything today? No, that one thing that is needful above your job, above your relationships, Above all the things that we go through in life, that one thing is needful above every single thing else. And on the flip side of that, if you put something above that one thing that's needful, that thing or things that you put before him becomes an idol because he says, don't put anything above me. Even in a relationship with your wife or your husband, you can't put them before God. 
You can't put your kids before God because he's the only one that can give you direction. It doesn't mean that you can't love them with the love of Christ, a agape type of love, but you can't put them first or anything else before them. And Mary has chosen basically that one thing that's needful, which shall not be taken away from her. So the one thing that's needful, my dad literally must be, he knew I was preaching today, but I guess his ears was kind of burning, as they say, because he's calling me. That's pretty funny. All right, so I want to center on verse 40, where it says that Martha was basically distracted, okay? How many of us can get distracted with life, or how many of us do get distracted with life? We don't mean to. I mean, we're, we're humans, and that's why Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to correct this today. We get so caught up in things. And how many of you know, and Pastor Susan actually mentioned this, sometimes we can even get caught up with doing things for God that he really hasn't called us to do. We get so busy with things, and that's how a lot of Christians get worn out because they're doing all of these things, and God's like, well, just sit down and just talk to me. Yes, that's great that you're doing all of these things, but you're going to burn yourself out, and ultimately that's not going to help my kingdom. So maybe, again, we have good intentions to spend time with God um, today. Okay, how many of you maybe, okay, today is going to be that day, God. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to spend extra time with you. And how many of you know the moment that you almost say that or think that or even believe that distractions are going to come? Because the devil immediately is like, nope, can't allow that. So you might sit down, and this happens quite a bit to me. I might sit down, and next thing you know, ding, ding, ding cell phones or text messages are going off. And if I put my focus on that, nine times out of 10, you're probably gonna read it, right? Because it might be someone that you need to talk to. And that's how you know that one text message can turn into a 25 minute conversation, or maybe your phone's ringing, or maybe even when I get into my office, they're calling me over the intercom and I'm like, okay, really? Now I gotta go because can't get fired, but the devil knows exactly what he's, what he's trying to do because he knows if he can steal the word from us, that's so much easier. He can mal basically malnourish, okay? If you've ever saw a malnourished child, you can definitely tell that they need some food. They need some nutrients, right? The devil doesn't care about malnourished Christians. That's not a threat to him. But the nourished Christians, because he knows if we feed on this word right here, we're going to be nourished with the nourishment of God, and he don't want that. So he's going to send every single distraction that he possibly can to get us off of the word of God. So again, what I said, verse 41, I can almost kind of hear Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, like, stop what you're doing. There's one thing that's needful when you're looking at him, okay? And that's not an arrogant thing. Jesus knew, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get anything done unless you go through me. You need to focus on me. So God wants us to put him first, not only in the tithe. So that's so much kind of what we think of. God says, give up the tithe first. That's great. That's wonderful. That's what we need to do to be able to be blessed and to obey him. But that's even not the one thing that's needful. Even above that, the one thing that's needful is to spend time with Jesus. So many, uh, so many Christians don't have things working for them because they put him, because they don't put him first in every area of your life. So, so sometimes we might think, well, I'm putting him first in 95% of my life, but what about that 5%? Just like that song says, I give you everything. Yeah. Everything means 
everything. You don't have to be a scholar to know what everything means. Everything, if I say everything is in this book can be ours, which is a true statement, that means nothing missing, nothing in here cannot be ours, everything. So again, God wants us to put him first in every single thing. So why do so many people know that? Even, I mean, even the world kind of knows that, okay, God is important. Even if they pretend like they don't know, they do know. But why do so many people, especially Christians, end up not putting God first? It's because they don't feel like they have enough time. They won't say that with their mouths, but they're like, I've got so much going on. But again, there's only one thing that's needful, and that's him. So again, they don't think they have enough time in the day to get everything done. Pastor Rick Warren kind of was studying a lot of um, things that he said, and this is another statement that I bolded. But he said that God multiplies, excuse me, God multiplies whatever you give him. So that means if you give him the tithe, what does he do with the tithe? He multiplies it. So what happens if we give him our time? He multiplies our time. So a lot of people are afraid to give time to God because they feel like, I don't have enough time in the day. But if I promise, if you put him first, he's going to make sure that your every little needs get done. But you have to put him first. So, again, that means if you give him the tithe, he will multiply your money. But that also means if you give him your time, he will multiply your time and you will be able to get everything done and fulfilled because you spend that quality time with him. So even when you do have things to get done, don't try to accomplish it in your own strength because that's a lot of the times where we kind of burn ourselves out. It's because we do things and try to do it in our own strength. So, for example, cutting grass. I don't like it. Do not like it. Um, I wish I liked it, just don't like it. Um, it's almost kind of like a workout for me. Um, and I have a push lawnmower because it really wouldn't make a lot of sense to get a riding lawnmower because our front yard is a decent size backyard. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. But I just don't like doing it. But the reason why I don't really like doing it, if I'm being completely honest, is because I'm not looking at God to be the strength of pushing that lawnmower. I'm looking at myself because I'm like, I don't want to get out there in the sun. But that means I'm focused on this flesh and not in the God this or the Jesus that's inside of me. So, for example, um, maybe we have dinner to cook. Okay, moms, I'm sure y'all understand this. Dads, I like to cook. Um, but sometimes we dread that or we can get home maybe at 4.30 and we're like, okay, we're trying to eat by 5.30. This only leaves us an hour. We got a lot of other things to do. But if you get focused on seeking him, praising him, worshiping him, I know Pastor Susan had that testimony maybe a couple months ago about certain situations. He will make sure that things get done. But you got to make sure you do it in the right attitude. You say, you know what, Jesus, I've got to get this done, but you're the one thing that's needful. Help me be able to do both. Who says that we can't cook while we're sitting there uh, praising and worshiping Jesus? It probably make probably will make your food taste a little bit better too, maybe. I don't know. Um, you'll get caught up in him, and there you're almost, you're doing both things, one thing that's needful above the other, and it's going to make your whole attitude, your whole atmosphere completely different in your life. Um, but when we have all of these things that we need to get done, we are not focused on an important mission that God left us on this earth to accomplish. 
So why is the main reason God left us on this earth? Not so we can cook dinner, right? Not so we can work a 40-hour work because there's a mission that he wants us to accomplish, right? Building his kingdom because at the moment that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he took us. What about the other ones that refuse to do it? They're just left here. And if he takes all the Christians or the ones that's going to be able to get that word out, how is the deaf ear going to be able to hear? So let's look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And this is going to be an amplified version. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So when Jesus says go, what do we probably need to do? Go, right? And a lot of people think, okay, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a bishop. I'm not a reverend. He ain't talking to me then. I'm disqualified from that verse. But no, he has done, we just sang a song about that, all my life you have been faithful, right? And I heard every single one of you sing it. It was the most beautiful worship ever today. But if he's been faithful to you, you have a message to be able to tell others. Because a lot of people, they don't, they don't necessarily, they don't see that faithfulness that God even has done for them, and they just don't even know it. Um, so many close calls that they might have had. So if we share our faithfulness that God has given to, given to us, that can be the one thing that kind of tastes and see that the Lord is good. They see that, and they're like, okay, well, let me, let me hear a little bit more about this. But if we're caught up in, say, if we're in Walmart, and sometimes, I've got to be very careful about this. I don't like going to Walmart. Probably have only been like 10 times in the last year. Um, yeah, it's pretty. I avoid that. But um, a lot of the times we're on a one-track mission, right? And especially guys, like if I get sent to a grocery store, I'm one track. I'm in and out. I don't see anyone. No one sees me. I'm gone and I'm back to the house. But what if God has that one person that's having a horrible day? that needs to hear a word from us, and he wanted us to give that word to them, but we're a one-track mind, we're in and out, and yes, he can use someone else, but we're missing our opportunity, our blessing as well, to be able to share that with them, that just to slow down and say, you know what, hey, I mean, facial expressions kind of tell it all, right? Um, I know when I'm coaching and I look back on video, you can tell when I'm aggravated. You can tell when I'm happy just by my facial expression. So if someone's kind of looking like they're down in the dumps, chances are they need to hear a word from God. Or even, I mean, some people are, you know, they can fake it till you make it or whatever. But God, he does it too to look on the outward appearance. He can speak to your spirit and say, you know what, just talk to that person. And sometimes the person just needs to hear a word that says, you know what, Jesus loves you. And that can be the one, that simple phrase can be the one thing that opens up their heart, opens up their ear, and they're saying, well, I don't feel like it. And now here's your opportunity. And you don't have to have, you don't have to know every single thing in this Bible. You don't. If you do, none of us do. But if you can just be able to just tell them your testimony, hey, this is what God has done for me and my family. This is what he's doing. Hey, come to our church because I've been here 17, 16, 17 years, something like that. I think either my, I think the summer of my eighth grade year. Yeah. So I've been here a long time and I absolutely love this church. Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But if I just kept the church to myself and me and my five and no more, 
those around, but I, don't, I got more than four. But it, my just five and more, no more, what does that do to the rest of the world? Even I know what we get every single Sunday when we have Wednesdays, but if I just keep it to our family, that doesn't really do a whole lot for those people that need it more than almost anything else. Because if you're paying attention, and I'm not saying to just feed on the, the news or anything like that, but the world needs God. And I'm not saying more than ever because they've always needed them, but they need them. And they need them in the worst way. We need them in the schools. We need them in a lot of different places. But people are so kind of twisted in their thoughts that they've, they think a lot of the stuff that's going on is a byproduct of Jesus. And that's where we can come in not as an argument, but just to give them the spirit of the truth that God has given us and say, you know what, there's a way out of all of this mess. And that little moment, again, can be able to speak to someone and they're like, what do you mean? I don't have to go through all of this and say no. I don't care if it's a depression, recession, whatever it is, you don't have to go through that. You can get a raise in the middle of this and your raise doesn't have to be a stimulus check. All of these different type of things God can do for you. So one scripture, speaking of um, getting people um, kind of to be able to taste um, so Kool-Aid, not so much of a Kool-Aid drinker now, but usually when I make or used to make Kool-Aid, I used to like to taste it before I served it to my kids. And Kool-Aid is not the best thing to serve, so that's why we don't do it anymore. <laughs> but you try to taste it to make sure it's sweet enough, right? Because the worst thing in the world is non-unsweet Kool-Aid. Like, I can't do unsweet sweet tea. It's just not sweet tea. Um, when we went to... Branson, Missouri, I remember um, as a teen class, um, I didn't know any better, so I ordered sweet tea. And the lady laughed at me, and she was like, where are you from? Because, again, my voice kind of tells I'm not from there. And she was like, honey, then that sweet tea is not going to be your type of sweet tea. I'm like, sweet tea? I'll drink it in. I don't know what that was, but it was not sweet tea. <laughs> but if you taste and see that the Lord is good. Just If people can be able to just taste it a little bit, just a little of that sugar, because God is going to be able to add that sweetener to it. All we have to do is just be able to speak those words, and God is going to pour in the sugar. And his sugar doesn't give us diabetes or any of those other things. It's going to be the sweetener of life. So if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 20, and I believe I've got this in the Amplified Version, I believe. I've read this before um, multiple times, but this is the first time it ever kind of really jumped out to me. And this is kind of one of those scriptures that if you can have this on your phone and be ready to give to someone, it can change their life because it basically lines everything up to, hey, this is your get out of hell free card. So our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. So when people hear that, they're like, one man died for me? Like in my sin, all my messed upness? Not a word, but all my messed up situations? Yeah, one man died for that. Your boyfriend didn't die for that? Your girlfriend? Your mom? Your dad? No, there's one person that died for everyone, okay? Last time I checked, and I know this is a name that we don't really like saying a whole lot because it was a very evil person, but Adolf Hitler, guess what? Jesus died for him. If he could have got it right, he could have got his soul set free. He died for him. He died for um, um, Hussein. 
He died for every single person on this earth. So that puts everyone in the same boat because at one point in time, we were all sinners, right? On our way to hell. But guess what? That puts us all in the same boat until we make a conscious decision to get out of that boat and to step in Jesus' boat. So he included everyone, not a single person that's ever walked this earth or will ever walk in this earth, was not included. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. So he went from death, which we were all on our way to, to life. So now everyone can be included in his life. And his life is better than any other life that's ever lived or ever will live. That life is a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. So when people see that, hey, I can live a better life with him than I'm living on my own. Because how many of you know people know that they're messed up. Like it really kind of takes someone that's really, really deep in to not know that they're, they're messing up, right? Most people know that this has got to be something better than that. That statement right there shows you that because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We just love people, right? I don't care if they walk in with all black on, black finger, um, nail polish, chains hanging. We don't evaluate people by that. We just love them. Um, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what, by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Um, now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, Jesus, gets a fresh start. So many people are just looking for a fresh start. They don't know how to get that fresh start, but there's got to be something more. Like, why am I just feel like I'm spinning around in a circle and I can't get out of this? So many people are looking for a way out, but they turn to different things, right? They might t- turn to alcohol because they're looking for something to fill a void that only one person was ever meant to fill. So say, for example, if I had a big circle up here, and I tried to put this rectangular Bible to fill that circle, would that work? No, because it's a circle, right? It's not going to fill that void. It's just not going to. The same thing, people turn to drugs. They turn to a whole different things to fill the void that was never meant to be filled by that substance or that thing. So we certainly, um, sorry. So now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. So when people can see, hey, I can get a new life and I don't have to die or go back into my mom and start this process over again, like, I can be saved? Yes, you can be saved. And when you present that revelation to them, it's going to take a very, whole, very stony type of person not to say, hey, you know what? I want to do that. So look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square within him, square within, excuse me, God put the world world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. A lot of people don't realize that God, God forgives. Some people, I mean, maybe they've been told a long time ago that, you know, you little sinner, you're going to hell because you did this and that. 
you never know. Some people might have gotten messed up in the church. Sometimes the church messes you up. A bad church messes you up more than anything else. So they might have just been told something that just doesn't line up with the word of God, and they need to be set free of that revelation. Um, giving the world a first start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. So God has given us, which means he didn't say preachers, pastors, reverends, bishops, evangelists, all of those things. He said us. So can we say us is us? Us is us, right? So us is us. So God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing and I love that bottom one. We are Christ representatives, okay? Um, I used to kind of, I remember as a teenager, my dad used to go around and say, uh, he started calling himself ambassador driver, and it was kind of embarrassing at first because I'm like, he would even tell my friends that I'm ambassador driver. I'm like, dad, really? Like, they're going to really think we're from like a third world country, and they're going, they're like, what are you talking about? But it really hit me last night. That's exactly what we are. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We're his secret agents because the world needs to be saving and we're not the one that's going to do any saving, but Christ through us is going to be the one that can be able to present that word to him. So if you are taking notes this morning, I want to give you a a few principles that you can um, be able to write down that's going to be able to help us focus more on God's kingdom. So basically it's going to be 10 principles that excuse me, that came directly from Jesus, um, because I put something, and he was like, no, take that out. This is exactly what I want you to be able to say. So number one, start your day before you do anything else in prayer. So start your day in prayer before you do anything else. Hey, Jesus, what do you want to be accomplished today? Hey, Heavenly Father, I don't even want to focus on my own agenda. Planning books are great, but when those planning books consist of all the stuff that you got to be able to do, that's where we got to get changed. So start your day in prayer before you do anything else, even before you brush your teeth. Um, maybe not talk to anyone just yet, but before you do anything else, start your day in prayer because that means you're seeking first the kingdom of God before anything else. I'm not telling you not to brush your teeth. Please do that. But God's going to make sure your teeth don't fall out within those however many minutes you spend with him, right? Number two, look for a simple way to be a blessing to someone else's life. Okay, look for a way to be a blessing in someone else's life. So many people think, oh, I've got, well, what does that mean? I've got to give someone $100? I don't know, maybe. If Jesus puts that on your spirit, but look for a simple way, even holding the door open for someone, uh, whether it's male or female, it doesn't matter. They can change their moment because maybe they're late. They don't have time to fool with the door. I mean, I've been in that situation before where I feel like I can't open the door and I'm late and I'm frustrated. And I feel like just yanking the whole thing off. You know what I'm saying? So look for a way to be a blessing to someone else's life. Um, backing back to number one, uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 8 in Amplified says, Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek, oh, there it goes. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, it will be open. So when you seek first Jesus, he's not going to say, nope, I'm not home today, leave a message. 
No, he's going to answer you, and he's going to pour out everything that he has, revelations that you can be able to take through your day. Um, I don't know if you've ever started your day in prayer or not started your day in prayer. It's a huge difference with how the rest of your day goes. When you start the, your day the right way, it makes your whole day so much smoother, and you're not as stressed as every else, everyone else in the world is. Um, so with number two, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, in the message, says, make sure you don't take things for granted and go slacking or go slack and working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God didn't call us to be stingy, right? Um, so many people, oh, it's, it's my stuff. God's just like uh, Brother Joel said, he's got stuff to give us, right? Okay, but when we share those other things with God or other things with people, God can be able to bless us because we're putting forth things in his kingdom. So God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit later too, a different kind of sacrifice that takes place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. Uh, number three, um, how to build God's kingdom. Invite people to church. Okay, it's a simple thing, but invite people. Um, that's just like we'll invite them to a birthday party or invite them to a wedding. Send out an invitation. Um, literally, um, I guess it was yesterday, um, it's poster on my wall. Um, it's a little website that I use for basketball, and it literally took me like five minutes to kind of do a little invitation thing, graphic, that I was able to put on social media that took five minutes of my day, and April texted me, and she was like, what you, how did you do that? I'm like, just plugged and played. Like, I didn't create anything great. But it's something very quick, because most of us are all on social media, and God knows we can tend to just do this constantly, but why don't we do something that's going to benefit his kingdom? Because this doesn't really benefit his kingdom a whole lot. So invite people to church. That is one of the easiest ways to build God's kingdom. We know the good word that we have at this church that we get every single Sunday, no matter who's up here. Um, but a lot of the other people have never heard that good word before. So we need to invite them to be able to become partakers to that because we never know there could be one person that we invite or someone else that invites that they hear that one revelation from God that changes their entire trajectory in life. And now, guess what? It's almost like dominoes. If we had a big stack of dominoes and you knock one down, say, in the positive that's on fire for God, then another one falls, then another one falls, and then another one falls. And that's how you know we're full in this building, we're full in another building, and now we're really reaching Jesus from Jasper and doing exactly the mission that he wants us to be able to do. Um, number four, I mentioned this earlier, but be willing to share what God has done for you and your family. Be willing to share what Jesus has done. That doesn't take a 10-minute sermon or anything like that. Just share what he has done for you and your family. Hey, we used to go from a $2,000 a month income to a $6,000 a month income. Okay, a lot of people are like, okay, how do I get that? You kind of tell them, give them principles. Hey, first, you got to be a part of his kingdom, all of those things. Or, hey, biggest thing is, hey, God rose our pastor from the, from the dead. When people hear that, they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, are you on something? No, yeah, I am actually on something. I'm on Jesus. And let them to be able to hear those things because you never know. They might have someone in a similar situation. They're like, oh, so my family can be able to be healed? Like, 
tell me more about this. Again, you're sweetening that Kool-Aid or you're sweetening that sweet tea. Um, so again, I mentioned this earlier, be willing to share what God has done for you, your family. We all have stories of our BC, right? Before Christ, before we knew Jesus. Um, some of those stories are worse than others, right? And sometimes when people see us out or whatever, they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I know what you used to talk about, and they ain't Jesus. But you can share, okay, well, yeah, that was me, but that's not me anymore. And they're like, okay, well, if you can go from here to there, how can I do that as well? And now you're able to do that. Um, utilize social media. Um, we can use social media from the worst, or we can use it for the better. The better is sharing little tidbits that God has given us, because, again, um, social media can go across the entire world, so you might have someone that's maybe even contemplating suicide that you God gave you a word to, to put on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and they see that, and that gives them a revelation of, hey, my life is valuable. Someone out there does love me. And that's thing you know, I mean, you have a story. Number five, and this is above almost anything else, love people. Love people. Um, you don't have to love what they do. Guess what? God doesn't love what we do sometimes. But he doesn't ask us to love what they do. Love the sin. You love the sinner. Love that person. Show them the love of God. Invite them to church. I don't care what they look like. Hey, come on in here. Because a lot of people... They won't come into these doors because they think they have to look or have an image of a certain way and just being real about it. Um, and we don't need people turning around looking at them like, oh, what is that? And that's how you know they run out the door because so many people have tried church before, but they got offended for whatever the way and they don't know how to block offense like we do. So they, they immediately turn off. But just love people. Share with them the word of God because love is what's going to draw them in. If we tell them, hey, you're a sinner, most of them, they, they know they're sinners. But tell them, hey, there's a way out of anything that you're going, that's going on in your life. Come with us and let's figure this out. Number six, and this is super important, all of these are important, but find time to praise and worship daily. Find time to praise and worship daily. Um, good thing, resources, internet, even if you don't know songs, you can type in YouTube praise and worship songs and look at the lyrics and see, okay, does this line up with the word of God? Hey, I'm going to learn this song today or take some of the songs that we have that we sing every single day or make up your own song to Jesus. Some of those are the most beautiful ones. Um, I'm not a huge singer and whatever, but guess what? He doesn't care how I sing. He cares that he, the words is coming out of my mouth to him and he can do something with those words. So find time to praise and worship daily. Um, and usually, um, the harder the times to praise and worship are the, the more, more difficult times that we go through throughout our day. So when you're in the moment where you feel frustrated, just stop. I think Jeremiah even said this a couple weeks ago. Stop where you are. Hey, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're blessing me not to be able to knock this person out. I thank you, Jesus, that you give me patience because that, that's going to help you a whole lot instead of the world tells you to kind of woo-saw or whatever, take 10 breaths, and that's great and wonderful, but let your breaths be the glorified Jesus um, because he's the one that gave us those breaths. Uh, number seven, set daily goals and hold yourself accountable for them. So what I mean by that is, is you know what, when you put pen to paper, you tend to hold yourself to a higher kind of standard with it. So, hey, you know what, Jesus, I'm going, to make, I'm going to put forth that I'm going to spend 20 minutes a day with you. 
Well, guess what? If you're only spending five and now you go to 20, hey, you know what? That's an improvement. It don't have to be. He doesn't ask you for 24 hours because he knows you got, you got things to do. But guess what? Give him the time set forth. Hey, I'm going to give him 20 minutes a day. And next day, you know, you're going to start craving for a little bit more. And those 20 minutes aren't going to satisfy you. You're going to bump it up. Hey, I got 30 minutes today or I got 40 minutes a day, and let's say you know you're going to have it craved just like some people crave that Netflix. You're going to start craving Jesus, and that's the one thing that's needful, just like I said earlier. So Habakkuk 2, uh, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, says, Write down this vision, okay, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one uh, may easily read it. So tablets, vision, same thing as a goal. Write it down. If you have a plan and you have a purpose, write it down. Put scripture with it and say, you know what? I'm going to spend X amount of time praising and worshiping, X amount of time um, in prayer, X amount of time just even just listening to the word of God. And that's going to make your whole day go so much smoother. And that's when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the word, the word is going to come out of you. So you don't have to feel like you have to start your engine and rev it. Your engine's already going to be running and Excuse me, nothing but the word is going to be able to flow out of you, um, plain and simple. Number eight, and this is extremely important for our church, pray about your place in our church. Okay, pray about your place in our church and get busy doing it. it does, if God calls you to be a usher, okay, that's great and wonderful, but you got to go out and do it. Don't say, okay, well, I'm going to wait until next year to do it. No, he needs you to do it now. So pray about your, your place because if every one of us gets busy doing what God has called us to do, now we're preparing and we see those people flowing into those doors because we're going to start inviting people. But if we don't have a team to be able to work for that, that flow, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So we need to get our people in place being able to do what God has called us to do. So when tens of hundreds or thousands of people are flowing in, everyone's being able to take care of that because if tens of hundreds of thousands, I know for me and my family, there are no more little drivers that's going to be born. Like, it's not going to happen. So, needless to say, we're going to need more babies back there so those little babies can turn into the, the kids' class. The kids' class can turn into the teens' class. So we need families to come in here that's called to be here, this planet, put their anchors in, their roots in, and say, you know what, I'm called to be here, I'm called to serve. Hey, let's get this mission going right here. Uh, number nine, almost finished. Tithes and offerings are vital to the kingdom of God. Make sure that you're praying about your offering uh, even above your tithe. So again, give your first fruits to Jesus. 10% of your income and then even go above that because God, like Brother Joel said, God doesn't need your money. He needs your obedience. And you need to be able to say, you know what, Father, you are good. I'm not giving this to, to get something to myself. I'm giving it because you're so good. And it's your money anyway. You're just letting me hold it. So why wouldn't I give something that already belongs to you back to you? He's letting us borrow that money, basically. Um, and guess what? He don't charge interest on that money that we borrow either. So give tithes and offerings to God because now our church can be able to pour out into other ministries that's got the same like-minded vision that we have so we can all reach um, the world for Jesus. And number 10, and this is, again, very important, get your family involved. Get your families involved. Um, discuss together and make it a partnership. Um, there can't just be one person or two people in your family. 
get your, get your family involved in things. Specifically, every morning before school, um, when I talk to my daughter, I tell her, um, make sure you pray. And I usually say the word and, and she already knows she's supposed to say, tell someone about Jesus. And so we've been doing that for as long as she's been going to school. And what I say, I'm like, make sure, baby, that's not just words that's coming out your mouth, but that's what you're doing because your little light can shine, like the song we used to sing, your light can shine amongst these kids because, again, I told you this a couple weeks ago, our schools are, are messed up, and they need to be able to see your light that says, you know what? Hey, I go to church, I go to Jasper Christian Center, and we have fun, and we have fun learning about Jesus. You never know, that little girl or that little boy can go home and tell their kids or tell their family or mom and dad or whatever, hey, I want to go where Albert goes to church. And maybe even if the parent doesn't necessarily want to right now, once they start to see a difference or a change in that little child, let's say, you know, that's how you get the parents in. Because a lot of us, I mean, I know my mom growing up, her mom and dad, her dad was bed rest, but her mom didn't really go to church, but they made sure she went to church. But that opened up an opportunity to get the mom, my grandmother, in church as well because she saw a difference in my mom's life. So that's how you start to spark a change and get a whole entire family changed because a lot of us know those little kids, they're the best witness, witnessers in the world. I mean, they will come, they're bold about it. They don't care. They'll talk about God. She tells it all the time. Um, we were talking about something last night. I forgot exactly what it even was. Um, I want to say the wrong thing. But something came up, and she was like, yeah, I always do that for Jesus because I tell people that Jesus is my Jesus. And I'm like, you go, girl, then. And she was like, yeah. And, like, she's just bold about it. And it's not, it's kind of in her own little sassy way, but I love the sass about that. But we need to be good witnesses for Jesus and not to be a fake person, not to make up anything, but just let our light shine through Jesus because he's the one that gave us that light anyone. Um, so... Uh, if everyone can stand up real quick, I'm going to pray. Um, hopefully you got something out of that, um, building the kingdom for Jesus. Thank you. Uh, if you hold up your right hand, I want us to make a declaration to um, our Heavenly Father. Um, anytime we make a declaration, it's not that we're trying to do it or work something up or promise somebody something or make a New Year's re resolution. We're making a vow to Jesus that, hey, what we heard today is not going to fall to the wayside. We're going to do exactly what we, we heard because now we know exactly what the Word says about it, and we're going to do that. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Word today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm going to be able to apply this Word. With your, with your strength. With your strength. Heavenly, Father, Heavenly Father, bless me, bless me to, be to, to be able to seek you more in everything that I do. Seek you first before anything else. Help me crave you, Heavenly Father, and put you above anything else. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to multiply, my time to multiply my time and give me that desire, me that desire to, know you more. to know you more. In Jesus' mighty name, Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.